Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Before we get into today's episode, I just want to take a minute to talk to you about making authentic friendships. You might remember the founder, Juliana Featherman, from episode 34 of Adventures in Autism. She is an autism sibling who created this amazing interactive web app that enables children ages 13 and up and adults with special needs to make friends based on age, interest, diagnosis, and geographic location. Parents and caregivers can also sign up to connect with other parents and caregivers. For more info or to sign up, head to makingauthenticfriendships.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Adventures in Autism, episode 114. I am Megan Carranza. Thank you so much for coming to listen. If it is your first episode, welcome. So happy to have you. And if you've been listening, thank you so much for coming on back to the show. And every week, I just like to start out by saying thank you so much to everybody just for all the love and support you give the show. This past week has been awesome. I've heard from several new listeners, people who are like just discovered the podcast, which always makes me smile and also makes me cringe a tiny bit because I think about people listening to those early episodes when I really had no idea what I was doing. Not that I like have a whole big idea of what I'm doing now, but back then I was just like really flying by the seat of my pants. Um, so I was like, oh gosh, what are you listening to? But I'm so, so happy to hear that, you know, people are finding the show and they're enjoying it and really just that it's helping. That's honestly the biggest thing. That's why I started this show. I just wanted to, you know, give that support and sense of community to parents who were going through a similar season that I was the time of having like a newly diagnosed child or even now I'm a few years into it and having this community has just meant everything to me. So thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If you have been enjoying the show and you would be so kind to take a moment to leave a review, especially on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, those reviews really do help other people to find the show and they just make my heart so happy. But if you don't have time to leave a review, if you just tap that five star, that also really helps too. So thank you so much for that. And today I'm so excited. Speaking of community and just kind of like having this support network, my guest is Whitney, who she was my guest way back on episode 41, about a year and a half ago. Whitney, at the time she had an account called the Spectrum Compass, and now she's the Behavior Compass. So similar, a little different. Um, but you guys, I'm sure many of you follow her and are familiar with her story and her adorable son, Kyson. And that episode has honestly been like a favorite of everyone's. It's been one of my favorites. And I, I continue to get messages from listeners who are, you know, just listening to that episode for the first time and love it and really connected with Whitney and her story. So if you are not familiar, I would definitely say go back and listen to that one to get more of the backstory. We really talk about her very like early years with Kyson and kind of leading up to the diagnosis. And then today 
we sort of catch up from where we left off and then we answer some listener questions. And this episode is one that I'm so excited for. I like can't wait to hit publish because I feel like Whitney is just so real. And when she came on the first time, I felt like she was really honest and real, but you'll kind of hear in this episode from, from where we left off to where she is now, she's gone through a lot. There's been a lot of growth, a lot of emotions. She herself says like, I hit rock bottom. And it was really interesting to hear because I remember after we finished recording that episode, thinking like, wow, Whitney is just, you know, she's, she's killing it. She's doing amazing. And I, I felt like she was being honest, like super honest. I could tell that she was, but I, I also knew that there was like a lot on the horizon for her. And it was really interesting to hear in today's conversation, just how she navigated all that. And again, she's super honest and open about it. She's so funny. After we recorded this, like a few days or a week later, she messaged me and she was like, I'm a little nervous. I feel like maybe I was too honest. <laughs> and I just told her there's no such thing, especially with podcasting. Cause I feel like when you're listening to somebody telling their story, it's those really vulnerable, open, honest conversations that maybe even get a little bit raw that I feel like are the ones that people connect with the most. And yeah, today's episode is, it's just amazing. And, and Whitney is, is so awesome. And I'm so excited for you guys to hear it. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Whitney. Hi, Whitney. Welcome back to Adventures in Autism. Hi, Megan. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here and be following up. I know. I'm so excited, too. I was just telling you, your episode, it was back way many moons ago, episode 41. (laughs) I still get people commenting on the episode and just saying how much they loved hearing your story. And so I was I was so excited to bring you back because it wasn't it feels like it was not that long ago that we talked, but like so much has happened in that time. So much has happened. <laughs> Although, I mean, it was a while ago. It was probably at least, yeah. what, like a year and a half ago. So yeah. yep. a lot, a lot has definitely changed. So if people want to go back and listen to kind of the early days of Kyson's diagnosis and everything that went into that, they can go back and listen to episode 41. But kind of starting here, how have things been for you guys since we recorded that episode. I know there's a lot to cover. <laughs> there, There is a lot to cover. So I'll kind of give the um, just quick rundown of everything. Yes. So Kyson got his diagnosis and then we got him into speech therapy, OT, and feeding therapy. Um, feeding therapy, I always get this question like, because there's kind of two different sides of feeding therapy. One is with the SLPs to work on swallowing for kiddos who, you know, might choke or aspirate um, Mm -hmm. when they eat. And then the other side of it is kind of the OT feeding side. And we were on the OT feeding side. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we wanted to help Tyson kind of expand his repertoire of of foods, which I think we all know um, can be pretty restricting at some some points um, for kiddos with autism. And really, I mean, I was like, all in for therapies. We got the diagnosis. I knew we needed early intervention for all of this. 
And very quickly, I found myself burned out. My family (laughs) was like, you need help. And I kept saying, no, 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 I got this. I got this. Um, But sure enough, they were right. (laughs) My recommendation to anyone whose family is saying, hey, slow down. Like, let me help you take it because they're most likely correct. (laughs) And Um, and so we really started to kind of back off. I kind of prioritized our therapies. So the first thing we eliminated was uh, feeding therapy. He was only going once every month. And so I kind of based it off of hours and what Kyson was getting out of it. And at the top of our list was speech. He was going twice a week at that point. Um, for we we started with honestly 15 minute sessions and we ended up working up to almost 45 minute sessions over the course of like six to nine months and um and so we really just landed on speech therapy and that is where we focused most of our time and energy for kaisen Um, For those who are on social media, I reached out to Rachel at the Sensory Project 208, and so I worked with her um, just on trying to find what we could be doing in our home for sensory, um, just pieces for Kyson, and because we ended up dropping OT as well, and so I kind of supplemented it with her Um, kind of consultation that she does with individual families, which was super beneficial. I mean, she's just, you know, if if anyone knows Rachel, we know she is like the sensory guru (laughs) in the social media um, platform. So shout out to Rachel there. But um, so yeah, so and then we just kind of progressed with speech and Kyson grew just so rapidly. It was beautiful to see. Um, I think one of the the biggest things to keep in mind is I had been working with Kaisen um, just communication language-wise even before he was going into speech. And so a lot of the techniques that she was using, he was kind of already familiar with, um, such as like manding and doing some sounds like of animals or noises of vehicles, um, which is typically where they'll start. And then she expanded on that. And I was able to do, and I have lots of videos on my Instagram page of this, um, but table time work. And so he would go in and he would have these three different colored boxes, choose from those. And I was able to generalize that skill into our home. And so even though he was only going to speech twice a week, we were working on speech type things five five out of seven days of the week. Um, and it, it looked a little different at home just because I didn't have all of the same material. But that, again, that was really great for Kyson because it kind of generalized those skills that he was working on with his speech pathologist. Um, and so that is kind of where we landed. And then COVID hit. Um, and you know, just like everyone else, um, therapies kind of abruptly ended for a short period of time. And we did try telehealth, but um, his therapist and I decided, you know, I had a good handle on things already. I had a good system at, um, in place at home for his speech. And so we kind of just ended speech mm-hmm. <laughs> therapy. 
And I say ended because we ended up moving back to Colorado. And so we were living, for those of you who don't know, we were living in Tennessee at the time. And once COVID hit, lots of changes happened, including me finding out uh, we were expecting our second baby and (laughs) and and then you know so we just decided like okay this is just we're gonna just take this time um a break from all therapies make this transition um to Colorado and then kind of pick back up um once we get to Colorado so Carson has been out of therapies since really the last week of February I think um And now we are starting back up this week, actually. So it's perfect time. Oh, yes. We start all all things tomorrow. Actually, we have a OT and feeding evaluation um, tomorrow morning. And then tomorrow afternoon, we have um, our BCBA coming over for some um, in-home observations. So busy week. (laughs) Lots happening. Well, Paul. Congratulations on baby coming. That's so exciting. And yeah, I mean, we, I feel like obviously these last few months, there's been lots of changes for everybody, but yeah, for you guys to, you know, be moving. And I know it was a happy move because you guys are, are, are from there. So it was like a good thing, but it it was a total like God leading us back home because COVID hit, I, I literally, maybe three weeks later after COVID hit in March, I found out I was pregnant. <laughs> and, um, you know, not that we need to get into it, but but being, it took me a long time to want to have a second baby. Um, and it took lots of praying and lots of just figuring out and being okay with um, maybe not having a, ba- a second baby as quickly um, as I wanted to after getting Kyson's diagnosis. Um, but our family just had lots to work through <laughs> before that would be mm-hmm. possible. And so when we found out I was pregnant, it was just a miracle from God, honestly. Um, mm-hmm. Justin and I had been praying. And once we both finally kind of put our faith in the Lord and entrusted that, you know, if we're supposed to have a second child, that it will just happen. And let's just say it didn't take very long. (laughs) It was like a one and done sort of thing. And um, we, we were very assured um, that it was the Lord's doing. And, and I grew up in Colorado, my whole family is here. And I am telling you what it being around family, um, has been the greatest gift. They help with Kaisen uh, beyond anything I could have ever imagined. Mm. Um, and so while it, it's nerve wracking bringing a second child in, into this world and, you know, for any family, I, I feel um, more relief and more at peace just knowing like we have such a good support system mm. around yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I remember like when I just had Logan and he was a baby and then a toddler, so much of feeling like I needed to do everything myself and yes. putting a lot of pressure on myself, probably kind of how you were talking about, like when you, right after his diagnosis and, you know, trying to do everything and then getting really burnt out. I definitely yeah. had that. Um, and then when I had my, my da- Liliana, my daughter, I realized that saying, you know, it takes a village to raise a child is 
literally so true because right. it's, it's just too much. It's too much for one person. And like you said, when people are offering to help, I, I don't know why it is as moms, like we really have to get to the point where we're like ready to accept that help. I know I definitely you do. It was and it took it took high since diagnosis and honestly falling harder than I had ever fallen in my life. Yeah. To be able to admit like, oh, I can't do this on my own. I can't juggle everything. Um, you know, and letting go a lot of that control, which I think all moms have. But I am going to say that I think special needs moms have even stronger because we have this um, need to protect our child and in a way that, you know, moms who don't have a special needs kiddo um, may never know or understand. And so it's more intense, I feel like. Um, So it's harder to let up that control. (laughs) I I totally agree. But I feel like once you do like start accepting help and, and really like being okay with that, you realize like, oh my gosh, I was really doing myself such a disservice. (laughs) Totally. And I can say that not only did my just emotional well-being and my mental state completely shift, but I saw a huge change in Kyson as well. Um, I, I can't speak for anyone else, but Kyson and I have a very deep emotional connection with each other. And he feeds off of my emotions like crazy. I know a lot of kids feed off of their parents' emotions, yeah. but mm-hmm. um, Kyson and I just like, it's kind of funny because I can feel his moods and he feels mine. And, mm-hmm. and some days it clashes and some days it's beautiful, but Um, As soon as I started trusting other people, there was a huge shift in Kyson as well Mm -hmm. Um, because that he was seeing, you know, like my mom can have a babysitter come over or whatever it might be. Um, I mean, I literally would not like to leave the house when we would have any sort of company, even family, including family. But when a babysitter would come over, I mean, it took me near six months to even be open to the idea of a stranger coming into our home and watching my kid who doesn't know at that time was not able to um, communicate mm-hmm. effectively. And, um, and those things can be really hard, but when you have systems in place, which I created systems that made me feel safe, um, putting Kyson in the care of those individuals, um, it was just life-changing. I mean, I got to focus on kind of that grief piece of the diagnosis um, because I was able to go out and go to therapy and, mm. and and focus on things that I had just completely neglected for the past two and a half years. Um, taking care of yourself is is huge, especially at in the beginning of a diagnosis. And if I could tell myself one thing it would have been slow down (laughs) and be gentle on yourself because I was so hard on myself and I think in part it had to do with just my background of you know we needed to get Kyson into early intervention and we needed to get him into these therapies and um, because I knew the research and the science behind it all and um, I wish I would have just slowed down a little bit and enjoyed Kyson for who he was. Because honestly, I'll be very honest, 
I feel like I missed the first two years of his life because I was so wrapped up in I need to get him help that I just completely I didn't see Kyson for Kyson, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that and being so honest because that's a heavy thing to grapple with. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like so, so many of us, it's it's like you're on that merry-go-round and it's like you you just can't find a way to get off of it because when you're, like you said, trying to help your child and you're so focused on that one thing everything else around you is a blur and totally there's there really is so much life and so much good stuff happening but when you're so focused on this one thing it's just hard to see all that it's hard to see anything good around you and it affected me emotionally and mentally it affected our marriage I mean our marriage was at an all-time low um a year ago and it was just not it was no fun. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> and 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 your your marriage is going to have, you know, these struggles and challenges, especially when it comes to a special needs diagnosis. But honestly, as soon as both Justin and I kind of lifted our hands up and said, "All right, this is completely out of our control." what can we do about it? Like, and God led us to a beautiful church, a marriage group. I mean, and our whole family just grew in, in a way that I would have never foreseen. Um, and that's partly why I took such a long break from social media. Um, those of you, as some, if some of your followers, um, are following my account they know that I took kind of a long hiatus from (laughs) uh, social media for a while and it was really because I needed to focus on Kyson myself and my marriage Mm -hmm. um and and that's kind of you know I I show up on social media to um to just be a service to others and I'm not going to chase after an algorithm (laughs) Um, As much as I want to reach as many people as possible, I kind of just leaving that up to the Lord (laughs) Mm -hmm. and and I'm not going to play the algorithm game. And so when I need a break, um, one of the things that I learned through my, you know, three or four month um, break from social media was priorities. Like my priorities were all backwards. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and so it was really great to learn, um, you know, what our priorities as raising a special needs child and when do you, you have to make those boundaries, you have to make those boundaries with friends and family and even in your marriage, you know, you have to find these boundaries of, um, sometimes you're going to disagree on therapies or approaches and, and how do you, you know, respectively um, bring those up um, in, in a loving way? And so we had just so much growth and learning to do, but I'm so happy I did it because it taught me way more than my master's in special ed or ABA <laughs> could have ever given me. Um, so, yeah. I love that. And I, I really appreciate you saying that literally just yesterday. I put up a post. Uh, it was it was just a, a we were messing around doing like silly selfies, me and and Logan and Liliana. And 
I just have these like really cute, silly pictures <laughs> that I normally wouldn't post. I would just keep on my camera roll and kind of look back in it. But I was thinking, I'm like, why, why wouldn't I post this? Like, yeah. why have to be like, you know, these perfectly manicured photos with like the presets and like these set up little, and it's like, I, I can appreciate that too. I love pretty photos. We had sure. photos, <laughs> you know, just a few weeks ago, but it's like, to me, social media, I honestly like never buy into it, but I know for a lot of people, it really can kind of feel like a rat race. And like, you're saying like chasing the algorithms, it's that to me is like just not necessary (laughs) and it makes and I'll be honest um before my break of social media I was doing that I um I had this like I had to have you know 10k to have like the swipe up Mm -hmm. to, to make it meaningful and and what God showed me was it doesn't matter the number you have um it, it really doesn't because no matter the number, it's not going to make me any happier. It's not going to serve any other purpose other than like, oh, okay, like now you have a swipe up link. Like it, it just doesn't, <laughs> um, it doesn't come together for me. And, and so it's, it's just, like you, and you it makes you unhappy. I mean, I, yeah. I felt like a failure you know, I ha- I feel like I have so much to offer the community. And every time I would post, I'd have this expectation and I would compare myself to other people. And it's like, no, 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 that's, that's like getting away from serving other people. Mm-hmm. That's, that's being concerned about something the world is telling us to be concerned about not showing up and just serving wholeheartedly in the ways that I know is best. And so Um, so again, I just, we, I did a lot of growing over those few months. And I think when you receive a diagnosis, no matter the level of autism, your child is, you have to take time for yourself. I mean, and it looks different for everyone. And for me, it was shutting the outside world out and focusing on our family and what was going on inside of me because I had neglected me for two and a half years um, Mm -hmm. because we were just on fast forward with Kyson from the time he came five weeks early up until his diagnosis. Um, And, and in between that, I mean, you lose your marriage too (laughs) because you're so focused on these high needs of your kiddo Um, you know, we didn't go out on dates or things like that. And so we had to basically learn to live with raising a special needs son while also not forgetting to live ourselves. And that is a huge journey and it doesn't come, it comes with work. Like you don't just show up and like, oh, you know, (laughs) it comes with, with learning the ins and outs of your kiddo and, and then working with your spouse on, um, kind of overcoming whatever obstacles or challenges are presented to you day to day. Yeah, absolutely. No, I really, I really appreciate you sharing that and just being so honest. We did get some, uh, listener questions and one of them, I feel like we're kind of talking about. So I just want to ask if there's anything else. This is from my friend, Jamie. She, what do you do for self-care? So obviously we're talking about some of this now you mentioned like going to therapy and just working on yourself. Things that really fill your cup that have really helped. So it's funny. So therapy 
was the first place that I was asked this question. Mm -hmm. And I remember looking at my therapist, just bawling my eyes out Mm -hmm. saying, I don't know. Yeah. Literally at that point, a year ago, last October, I had no idea what filled my cup up anymore, which Mm -hmm. if you've been there, you've been there and you know that. Yeah. If you haven't, that's probably sounds so bizarre. Um, But I had neglected myself for so long that I literally had forgotten what made, what filled me up, what made me happy. Um, And so it's been a, honestly, a year long journey of, healing and figuring out like oh this is what I can do when I feel this way or um you know and and for me it's um therapy therapy Mm -hmm. therapy yes yeah um the second thing is is the accepting of help and Mm -hmm. it's funny because people would say well you have a babysitter now and I did and I loved her and we miss her so much um and I grew very comfortable with her, but it was just these small portions of time that I would get to myself and I would still feel empty. I wouldn't know what to do with my time. Um, you know, I would go walk around Target by myself and I, and it felt empty. And it's because for me, I was empty for so long. It took the same amount of time, if not twice as long to begin filling up again, because those breaks, um, they didn't end up adding up for me until I had them consistently and for a long period of time, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I was so burnt out, I was so drained that two hours every other week was not going to give me the longevity or the mm-hmm. my cup being full um, until I got to the point where I actually did feel rested. So it took hundreds of babies, not babysitters, but hundreds of times <laughs> it felt yeah. like yeah. for the babysitter to come over before I really felt like this is worth it. And at the time, I remember telling Justin, like, I don't know, like, what is wrong with me? Like, I have these times, but it's because I waited so long to get the help. Mm. Um, And so no matter where you are in the journey, help, you need help. Like, no matter how great, we're all great moms. Like, we all want to give our kiddos the world, and we are, um, but we need to do it with our tribe. And um, if you are at the point where you have help and you're going out and trying to fill up your cup, I would just say it's okay if you don't feel fulfilled for a while because that's where I was at. Um, And it does come, but it comes once you consistently have that help. And then I would say um, I found a really great church, honestly, between therapy, health, and church, that those were my, that's what started filling my cup up again and making me feel kind of just steadfast in, in feeling filled up consistently because I would go in waves. I mean, I would feel really great. And then I would have like two full days with Kyson and start to feel overwhelmed and 
and then immediately back to feeling drained again. Um, And so it was a practice of being consistent in all three of those areas, therapy, seeking help, and then my mom's church group, going to church every Sunday. Um, It just took time um, to, to really have that kind of I mean, people say like self-care, like you think about wine and manicures and girl time and those things are great, Mm -hmm. but those things are extra. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Those things are extra to self-care. Those things make us feel even better when we already have our foundation. Um, What do I want to say? Like foundation of our self-care built up. And so now, now I can go and get a manicure, pedicure and really enjoy myself and, and feel like, wow, this does feel really great. Mm -hmm. But it didn't feel that way until I had the foundational help that I needed. Yeah, I am like nodding along to everything. (laughs) I feel like it's self-care is one of those things that like, in theory, it's awesome, but unless you like really grasp the concept of it and have the resources available to you, it's kind of wasted. And I think it's one of those things where I just talked about this recently too, where it's like, you always hear like, Oh, self-care isn't selfish. And of course it's, it's not selfish, but it's kind of hard to do. It's, it's hard to like really, like you said, like really figure out what is really going to fill my cup what is really going to like benefit me in a way and in, in, in beyond just, you know, like you said, going to get my nails done for 30 minutes, like what, right. what that really helped me. And it's uh, so much of what you're saying too, like with, you know, therapy and with like reaching out and accepting help and even your church, I feel like a, a, a common kind of thread in this is just like support and community Yep. So it's like, sometimes I feel like we're, we're preaching, you know, self-care, but a lot of times it's really like, we need like community care. We need to help each other. Yes. And sometimes I feel like that is not like, that's left out of the self-care conversation is that like self-care isn't something you can just do on your own. Like you bring other people in, in order to make everything work better. And I would say, too, you have to be so careful of the community you choose, especially Mm -hmm. as a special needs mom, um, because there are people and communities that will let you just wallow in what you're going through and they won't grow Uh, you through it. mm -hmm. And so I really had to find and that's where my um, mom's group at church came in is it was a safe space for me to come and cry my eyes out. Um, but it was also a space where I was being pushed to grow past that mm-hmm. um, because that's really important. And I think that I had given myself permission to just kind of wallow in this grief um, and, and it wasn't doing anyone any good. I mean, it was hurting me. It was hurting mm-hmm. our family. And, and so to find people who are going to meet you where you're at, but then also say, come with me, there's a rainbow on the other side of this yes. and, and to trust them enough to say, okay, I can do this holding your hand. Um, and then, and it is beautiful. And then, you know, you, you end up creating these bonds and these friendships that last forever because of going through things like this. Um, 
So yes, I would agree. Community is just, is number one for self-care. I totally agree. I had a a friend of mine recently who, she also has a child with autism and she was saying how she's like been a part of some, some groups like support groups or mom groups with other kids with special needs. And she was like, I'm done crying. Like I'm, I'm over about it. And it's like, if you're, if that's where you are, that's, I get it. Cause I cried for a long time too, but it's like, you do get to the point where you're like, okay, I, I don't want to be, I don't want to feel like this forever. Like, like you said, I need to get to the next step. Yeah. And sometimes it, it is the people that you're with that, you know, can really change your perspective on things. Totally. And I, and it takes some deep self-reflection, you know, you've been friends with someone for 20 plus years and, and they're just kind of like, yeah, well, just cry, you know, and it's not very, it's not growing you in it in any way. It doesn't mean like, just trash that friend. It just <laughs> means maybe start to grow your community in a way that um, you're being pushed to better yourself or um, because really the, the more, Kyson has pushed me to grow in ways that I never would have imagined. And I will truly be so grateful for, for my whole life. Um, but it take, it took me kind of hitting rock bottom mm-hmm. <laughs> to be able to see like God gave me Kyson because there are things that I probably wouldn't have pushed myself to do otherwise, you know, mm-hmm. to grow past and, Um, Like my anxiety, for example, like it hit an all time high last October and (laughs) this sounds so funny, but I I didn't even know I had anxiety. (laughs) Oh, wow. Um, And it's, it's just interesting. I learned so much about anxiety and, and what that means and what it means for me and, and what I see in Kyson now and that, you know, the tools that I received from therapy that I can start to give Kyson earlier on than letting him wait till he's, you know, 30 years old and, <laughs> and figuring that out. And, and I know it sounds so funny because I have this huge background in, you know, developmental, um, you know, education and you think they would teach you those things. But when it comes to yourself, I mean, it really is like, oh, yeah, I do have some anxiety going on. And, <laughs> and so that was the other part of the social media break is I had to really figure out like, what does that mean for me? Like, what does that look like? And, and how can I help myself um, kind of move past that? So, yeah. Well, I appreciate you sharing all of that. Um, I have some more questions here. I'm just looking. Um, some of these are similar. So I'm going to kind of like, put them together okay basically these are both like two-parters kind of like how how is Kyson doing now how one of them says like how has Kyson's functioning changed since your diagnosis and the other just says how does autism affect Kyson today which I feel like those are both pretty similar um and then also just asking about you um how do you think you've grown? How do you think you've been dealing with the diagnosis? Yeah. So, um, Kyson's it's a, that's an interesting question about his function. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wouldn't say that his function has necessarily changed. I would say that the therapies that we have given him and that he has grown from and made progress with have just opened him up more, um, 
to being who he was designed to be. And so I, I, I wouldn't say that like his intelligence level has changed at all. I would say we've just kind of have helped him figure out the pieces to his puzzle and mm-hmm. we continue doing so. Um, his, the question was, how does his autism affect him daily? Was that it? It, it was, how does autism affect Kaisen today? Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So it affects him socially. I mean, it, right. Like there's the deficit areas that all children or individuals have to meet, um, to be diagnosed with autism. And so he's affected in all of those areas. It just might look different, um, because he's at that level one, um, autism. And so he has emotional outbursts. <laughs> He's very intense in his emotions and, and um, happy or sad or mad. And so we're constantly working on just trying to help him regulate his own emotions, which mm-hmm. you also add in just being a three-year-old. I mean, he is yeah. he's three. He's a toddler. And mm-hmm. so kind of um, we've gotten better at kind of um, discerning between what is a typical three-year-old behavior tantrum and what is his autism and how they're both um, kind of working with each other. Yeah. And, um, and I would say that was a big struggle last year when we talked, like I, I was really concerned about understanding and seeing one from the other. And what I've come to understand and realize is you can't separate them. Like mm-hmm. he's three and he has autism. Mm-hmm. Um, and so things are more intense, I would say. So it affects him emotionally, his emotional regulation. Um, we've, we've kind of run into a lot of sensory um, just challenges since he turned three, um, he's never been a great sleeper, but he's never been this bad of a sleeper either. <laughs> so, um, we are just trying to help him sensory wise. And I know it has everything to do with his um, sensory regulation when he's sleeping, just because we have started co-sleeping with him because it's just easier. Um, Mm -hmm. Nobody was sleeping at night. He was up literally 10 times a night, if not more. And um, his anxiety piece, uh, he feels better when he's with us, which is fine. So that has helped eliminate some of the wakings at night, but then Mm -hmm. he will wake up and, I don't even know if he's fully awake, um, but he will just move for like two hours straight (laughs) in our bed. And so that's where I know it's this sensory regulation piece that we really need to focus on. Um, And so it affects him that way. And then I would say I'm going to say communication wise, and I'm going to say that because um, he still, yes, he is very verbal. Yes, he can tell us his needs, but it's a different type of challenge that we have with Kaisen with his communication of um, telling us, um, you know, social wise, I would say. So I guess like mm-hmm. pragmatically um, and really trying to get him to play with either himself independently or <laughs> Um, with other kids and so I guess that communication piece is tied pretty closely with that social piece for Kyson right now um 
and uh, transitions. Oh my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) You know, transitions in his routine. Oftentimes, you know, we'll, this is a good example. My, you know, grandparents, they love to have fun with their grandchildren and with Kyson. It's, it's so hard to say like, Hey, you can't do that because if you do it once now, he expects that he can do it again. And (laughs) then we meet a huge behavior and meltdown. Mm -hmm. Um, My mom, my, my dear mom, she just, she tries her hardest to follow our plans and protocols with everything uh, we have for Kyson. And she had told him, well, we, we're not going to splash in the sink right now, but we can splash in the bathtub, to which he <laughs> took it to the next extreme. And there ended up being like a puddle, huge puddles of water mm-hmm. everywhere. And the next night, Justin and I bathed Kyson, to which what did he think he could do? Because he did it once, he can do it again. And so that's kind of where his autism comes in is if you – if you give a mouse a cookie, right? Yeah. Like, um, and she felt so terrible. And because those things aren't met with just like, okay, I'm not going to splash. Those instances are met with huge outbursts from him. Um, and so it's, it, I mean, it truly affects him daily, just like any other, you know, just like my anxiety affects me daily. And, um, and food, I mean, we all, I think we could all relate and with the struggle of, you know, just expanding their taste for food. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting talking about this because you and I were talking before we started, um, just with some of the posts that you have shared in the past talking about, you know, with, with, with Kyson being at that level one, or sometimes you will use the term high functioning. And we mm-hmm. were focusing how it's like, it's hard because, we want there to be a better term, but yes. there needs it, when, when you say high functioning, it's like, it's, there definitely are people who are, who are offended by that, but it's also like on easy to understand. Yes, that exactly. Um, but you had shared that there were some people in your life that were not as accepting of Kyson's diagnosis because he does appear to be higher functioning. Yeah. Do you want to explain that a little bit? Yeah. So, you know, I think no matter the level of autism your kiddo has, I think we all at some point in the journey will come up against family pushing back, um, whether it's extended family, whether it's, you know, your brother, your sister, your husband, your wife, whoever. Um, I think we all experience it to some extent. And if you don't, way to go. That's amazing. (laughs) but there, yeah, I mean, there's just family and friends that who would have small, short encounters with Kyson and, and really not see our daily challenges. And I actually just three or four days ago had um, created a post basically coming out, if you will, um, to family and friends on our uh, private Facebook page about his autism and, pretty much saying just that of um, why it hurts when we hear those things um, that just because Kyson has, you know, semi pretty good social skills in some areas and can talk that he just must not have autism. It takes away the challenges the family has day to day. It 
completely neglects to see Kaisen for who he is and what he has overcome and will continue to overcome. Um, it's just very hurtful. And so I had made a post basically saying just that of, you know, I have thousands of people following me on Instagram to who I sh- openly and wholeheartedly share our journey with Kaisen with. And yet I could not get myself to share um, these things with family and friends on the sole basis of feeling like they were going to tell me I was wrong <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and judge me. And um, that's one thing I had to overcome in the past year and build confidence around is it doesn't really matter what society thinks about Kaisen's diagnosis. Um, what matters is within the walls of our house and we know the challenges, the daily challenges that we, um, have to, you know, address with Kyson and, and the celebrations we get to have with him. And, um, if, if family and friends don't want to see it, that's not my problem. (laughs) Um, it is my problem if I'm not willing to share openly though. And so I had to do my part which it took time, right? Like I, um, I gave myself time. I had to grow into that confidence. And so now it's my turn to educate family and friends in the same way that I'm trying to educate and advocate, um, you know, to total strangers online. Mm -hmm. I think the difference is, is, um, sometimes it's harder to, get people who don't have a connection with special needs to care. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's a huge desire and passion of mine is to really open up the eyes of those who don't have a connection with a special needs individual or family to really grow that compassion and empathy because that's, that's where we're going to see lasting change in our world, in our special needs world. So Yeah. And just the understanding for families, because like you and I were talking about beforehand, you know, most people in the autism community, it's like we, you know, we have empathy and understanding for what these families that look like ours are going through and dealing with. Whereas like, you know, typical families, it's so different. There's just like, no, (laughs) there's really no comparing it. And I feel like sometimes, like you said, when people just see like a snippet of our children, they think like, oh my gosh, like, and, and our kids are great. I'm not going to say they're not yeah. great. Like they, they, they see these moments of like, this is so great. This is so awesome. And they're doing so well. I get that all the time. People will be like, oh, Logan's doing so well, right? Totally. I, yeah, he is. But I don't want to act like, you know, it's all, you know, sunshine and puppies over here. Right. I mean, it's definitely like, we have our challenges too. And so it's just that fine line of like, okay, I, it's not like I want to paint this picture of like doom and gloom. I, I want it to be just realistic. And, and the realistic view of things is that like, there's really awesome stuff happening, but there's really tough stuff happening too. Absolutely. And, um, and I would say too, like, I'm not reaching, you know, cause you always, there's this line between sympathy and empathy. Right. And, um, and I'm not trying to like raise awareness to our friends and family who, are, you know, only know the typical neurotypical um, child. But what I am trying to do is just um, 
open their eyes. Like there's more, there's, there's more diversity out there than um, what you might see. And even if you don't see it right away with Kaisen, it doesn't mean it's not there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I really appreciate you sharing that. Um, another question we got that I think is interesting, especially because I know, like you said, you guys are just kind of getting started with ABA. Um, is, do you, this is my friend, Monica. She said, do you think ABA is more effective than school? Which I am really interested in hearing. (laughs) I feel like more and more people I talk to, especially with everything going on, obviously with COVID things are just different right now with school. But I've talked to so many people who are opting for like full-time ABA over school. What what are your thoughts on that? So I love this question, actually. Yeah. And from my perspective, they're two totally different things. They serve yeah. two totally different purposes. Um, I, when I was working in a public school as an autism teacher, we were lucky enough to have both. And so my classroom was all ABA built. Um, We did discrete trials. Everything we did was foundationally from ABA. And so the child would come to public school, get ABA services in public school from my classroom, and then go to their outside therapy if they had that. Um, So I would say (laughs) that it's I wish more schools had that. I think it's mm-hmm. it's coming to be as younger, you know, as these younger generations go through um, their SPED licensure to become a, um, a SPED teacher that they are teaching these foundational ABA skills to these teachers. And so it is going to become more widespread. Um, but I think that it, it just totally has to do with your child. I mean, it, it has to do with where are they thriving the most? You know, where are you seeing the most progress? I would hate to say like, yes, absolutely. Take your kid out of school and put them straight in ABA or vice versa, because um, I think they both serve a huge purpose. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, maybe sometimes you have the kiddo in um, school of the time and then the other 50% in ABA. But again, it it depends on the school and the teacher and like, what is the kid getting out of it? Are they in a social skills group? Are they being included in the gen ed? Like all of those things are so important that they might not get from ABA. Um, Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, they might not be being taught in the ways that they are um, most valuable to learn for the kiddo in public school. So really, I, you just have to use your best judgment. Um, where's your kiddo the happiest? You know, like, are they happy going to school and ABA? Um, so that's what I'd say. <laughs> no, I, I, I always, I, that's kind of what I usually will tell people too, is it's like, if you're seeing tons of progress in ABA and your, your child is thriving there, that's definitely an option. And if you feel like, you know, the district that you live in is not giving you what you need or what your child needs and the resources aren't available, then full-time ABA might be a really great choice for you. Um, I agree with you. I think when they can kind of work together either in the classroom or, you know, if you can do a, a mix of both, Logan's right. class, they they follow like um, the STAR curriculum, which is like a, uses ABA yeah. principles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's not an ABA classroom, but they it's it's set up 
really kind of similar to his ABA clinic in terms of like how they sort of like naturally progress throughout the day, um, which has been great for him. So I just think, again, it's like kind of educating yourself, using, looking into all the different resources and just kind of figuring out what do you think is best? Absolutely. And I think one, one um, thing to point out, especially if you're new to this journey is you're not locked in. Like if Mm -hmm. you choose to do 40 hours a week of ABA, that doesn't mean you're like committing to doing it your child's whole 18 years upbringing. Like things are fluid and constantly changing, mostly because our kiddos are constantly changing. Um, You know, Kyson's needs, now are completely different from a year and a half ago and they'll continue evolving um, as he grows. And so we just need to be cognizant and give ourselves grace of, okay, I'm going to choose to put him into ABA full time and just see what happens and give it time. Um, You know, I recommend two to three months when, when you, decide to do something like that to really see if it's a good fit or not, because any intervention takes at least six weeks to show any improvement or not improvement. So um, give yourself grace and just know, like, it's not the final end all be all decision. You're not, as long as I always tell parents, as long as you're proactively giving your child some sort of support for the areas or challenges that you see and are struggling with in home, that's all you can do. (laughs) As long as you're making progress forward and you're not just standing still, that's, that's it, you know? So. Absolutely. I know you were saying recently that it's been kind of a struggle for you to decide if you wanted to do ABA for Kyson and now you're you're moving forward with that now knowing your background that <laughs> was a little surprising to me um, so I'm curious like where how, how you came to that conclusion and also you gave some really great tips on what you know parents should be looking for when they're looking for a BCABA do you want to like expand on that a little bit yeah sure so um I struggled with it for up until like two weeks ago (laughs) Um, because of my own selfish insecurities. Um, I thought that because of my background, because I know so much, I should just be able to do it. I should be able, you know, I've done it for the last two and a half years with Kaisen. I should be able to just do it the rest of his life. And he's not going to need ABA from anybody else. Um, But again, it goes back to that help piece that we Mm -hmm. were talking about. And, Mm -hmm. um, I, I chatted with a friend, um, Nicole, whose son, uh, Grayson, is a year older than Kyson, but very similar skill set. And she had um, kind of posted about her kiddo being in all of the therapies that we are now getting Kyson into, including ABA. And Nicole and I also share similarities of she has her, she used to be a special needs teacher. She is um, actually now pursuing her BCBA. And I said, well, I know you work with Grayson at home. I see it. It's evident. You know, why do you have him in ABA? Like, what are they even working on? <laughs> and, <laughs> and she really opened my eyes and, and I have her to thank for um, basically getting me that last little push that I needed. Um, she had said 
I can't remember her exact words, but basically she said, you know, I'm going to give Grayson everything possible, everything under the sun that I know that could benefit him long term. And it was though it were those words that really hit home for me. And I said, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it's those things that we know, but sometimes we just have to be told. And yeah. it, it, when she said that it all clicked, I said, yeah, like, of course I want to give him all of the opportunities and, and possibilities, like just because he is talking and just because he is presenting so many wonderful signs um, doesn't mean that we just stop here. We got to mm. keep going. We got to, you know, yeah. give him as big of an opportunity in this life as, as someone who is nonverbal and, you know, working on other life skills. And so, again, I had to stop myself from the comparison and, mm-hmm. <laughs> and say like, yes, of course he deserves these therapies. <laughs> like, yeah. And then of, of course I have to give Justin, my husband, um, it's a big shout out here because he has been begging for Kyson to be in ABA therapy for a year and a half. Um, and, and it's just been me who has been like, no, 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 I got this. Yeah. And, and he's been so patient. And so finally with a new baby coming, that was the other added element to everything that I just wanted Kyson to feel successful. And I know that I, um, probably won't be able to show up in the same ways that I was able to when it was just Kyson and I, um, mm-hmm. with the second edition coming. And then Nicole had also mentioned that it's nice to have the pressure off of ourself as a mom, um, mm-hmm. to have someone else do it and implement things and, and then to only be responsible for the follow through. So, you know, I'm, I have no idea what to expect. The The BCBA <laughs> that we're working with has been very just giving me so much grace because, you know, I know the ins and outs and I, and she knows that I know what to expect. And I think that puts some pressure on them. Yeah. Um, but I'm okay with it <laughs> because that means <laughs> that they're going to be doing their job the way it's supposed to be done. And I wish that all parents had this. I wish all parents knew like, the services that are supposed to be provided by BCBAs, because I do know um, in some clinics, I think it's overlooked. And so um, some of the, some of the questions that I asked her, you know, like, how long has she been a BCBA? How big is their clinic? Who will be meeting with Kaisen? Will it be directly with a BCBA? Or will it be with a BT or RBT? And if so, you know, how many sessions will Kaisen have with a BCBA? Because um, depending on your kiddos' hours in ABA, the BCBA by law, because of insurance, depending on your insurance, can only give, have contact 20% of those hours. Um, And so it, probably ranges from kiddo to kiddo but then um you know like I wanted to know for me it was really important to know the background of the RBTs because I don't want to scare anyone but RBTs only have to have a high school diploma and can really have no experience in the field um 
which is okay if they have a really great BCBA training them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wanted to know like how long her RBTs have been around. I wanted to know the training they've been through. Um, it was pretty unique about this clinic and I know it's, it's not like this everywhere, but she requires her RBTs to have an undergraduate degree in pursuing further in the behavioral field. Um, and so that was kind of affirming to me because one of my um, things that was holding me back from getting Kaisen ABA therapy was, you know, I have this degree and all I have to do is sit for my board exam and I'll be a licensed PCBA why in the world would we pay out-of-pocket money for someone who has a high school diploma to work with my son, which sounds so bad. And I know how that sounds. Um, But I was like, I don't want to end up being their supervisor. Like, I don't want to oversee them and say like, no, 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 that's not how you are supposed to implement that um, tactic or strategy, or there's a better way to do this intervention. You know, Mm -hmm. like I just thought getting messy really fast. Um, (laughs) so, and so again, it's that total control piece for myself though. And, Mm -hmm. and we need RBTs and BTs like ABA world would not function without them. And so they are Mm -hmm. so critical. And if they're not implementing, um, interventions in the right ways, it's, it's truly not their fault. It's the BCBA's fault. And so, um, I needed to know like what type of modeling she's going to be giving these, um, RBTs that'll work with Kaisen. And then I needed, wanted to know about sometimes depending on insurance, they will cover, um, data meetings and sometimes they won't. And so I wanted to know if that was going to be included in Kyson's hours, because really the data, I know some parents love it. Some parents hate it. For me, it just shows like, is this intervention working for Kyson? And if it's not, Mm -hmm. what are we going to do about it? Mm-hmm. Um, so, and it, and it's just a piece of communication. It's just like a report card. Right. Um, yeah. and so, um, I needed to know how often that was going to happen. You know, what does communication look like with her, with the BCBA herself? Um, and then, you know, if there were, if issues were to arise with the BT or RBT, you know, how do we address those and mm-hmm. without it becoming too uncomfortable? So there, yeah. there were just a, a list of things. And then I just have a big heart for small local, you know, businesses, and that includes clinics. And so a lot of ABA clinics have, have franchised, which is wonderful. Um, but I just was not open to a franchise business. Um, and so I really, um, was looking for just a local small clinic, um, because sometimes I think there's really great franchises out there for ABA, but, um, in my experience as a teacher and working with other big franchises, um, it just didn't always feel heard even as a teacher. And so I just didn't want to risk that um, being in the position we are. And that's not always available. Like sometimes, um, you know, insurance only covers the big franchises. So Mm -hmm. you just have to be so diligent on asking these questions ahead of time to make sure you're going to get the quality of services that your family and child deserve. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I I do just want to say, so our insurance would only cover, we, I had pretty few options in terms of ABA companies and the company that I went with is a huge company. It's, it's nationwide. Um, but we, we've been so lucky because like the, everything that you had listed in that post, our BCA has, has our BCBA has hit every single one of those marks. That's so, so good. I don't want anyone to think, I totally agree with you. And I think that most of the time, if you can, you know, go smaller, that's great. Um, but if, if that's all that's available to you, don't, don't be scared and think like, oh, these bigger companies are, you know, just looking for dollars and things like that. Because I mean, we have been so blessed with our BCBA and even our, our, our RBTs too. I don't like when you say how it's like they can have a, you know, high school diploma. Um, I think that that maybe happens from time to time, but I know everyone that Logan has had as an RBT and we have lost a couple over, you know, the past several years we've been doing ABA. It has either had like an education background or a psychology background and like, you know, they have their, their degree. And one of his, his uh, RBTs we lost recently because he is in school now to become a BCBA. So it's definitely like, there's, there's a lot of gray area. And I just think more than anything, and you had kind of touched on this before when we talked about the difference between like, you know, in school or, or in clinic with, when, if you're doing ABA, it really is just so individual for each kid and each family. And you and I had, had talked about this too, but I was saying it's like the, your BCBA, it's not just like what works for your child. It's what works for your whole family and, and the whole team really. Cause I mean, if you do in home, like we do, like they're in our house five days a week. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. They're here all the time. They know my daughters, they know my, my sister, my husband, like we are my, my mom, we, we all kind of have to like work together and have this rapport and relationship with each other. And I, I really think that like more than their experience and background and more than, you know, the company that you go with, it really is just about that connection piece. And if you have that, that's really what's most important. Yes. And, and the communication piece too, to add to that, just making sure that because you, and we're going to have in home with Kyson too. And it is, I think in the beginning, awkward letting someone come into your house and tell your kid (laughs) what to do, but you learn and you grow and, um, and they do, they, they kind of become family. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, I, I would agree. And um, even some of the bigger franchises too, like have smaller clinics around states. And so it, again, it just like, it just takes questions. It takes asking yeah. um, because I did, I called um, several companies. I think it wasn't until like the sixth or seventh call that I had made um, where I felt like, okay, this is going to be a good match, mostly because it felt personable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, it felt like, oh, no. <coughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, it, it just felt, it felt natural. And so I think that's kind of what you were alluding to as well. You know, as long as you feel safe, do it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, like you said, the communication piece is so big because it's like you as a parent need to feel heard. And really, like, in my opinion, you know, you're what you have to say is what's most important because this is your kid. 
totally. And, and finding someone who is going to be open to that. And, and I, um, I felt like with some of the calls that I had made prior to who who we had landed on, um, they were just giving me the um, textbook answers, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and for me, for me, that didn't work. Now for someone else who, you know, enjoys those very like ABC sort of in the lines answers mm-hmm. like that's be a good fit so we all are looking for something different you know it's kind of like dating like blind dating that's so true that- <laughs> and, and you're gonna just we're all gonna land on someone and someone different and a different clinic and um so yeah yeah you just need to feel comfortable that's really just the most important yes absolutely yeah well I could just talk to you all day, but we're <laughs> a little long here. So do you want to share where everyone can connect with you and find you? Yes. I am just on Instagram right now. It's at the behavior compass and I'm working on a website, but that probably won't be live until I sit for my BCBA exam and start doing some clinic work. So um, just on Instagram and on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, so much for for coming back on on the pod and chatting with me and i can't wait to see what is on the horizon for you guys because i know it's going to be more awesome stuff yes thank you for having me megan you're so welcome all right take care whitney (laughs) bye-bye bye for you the listeners of adventures in autism podcast audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service i often get asked for book recommendations related to autism and one that i always go back to is called the out of sync child by carol kranowitz and it was actually recommended to me by a friend who is also an ot and i read this book years ago before logan was even diagnosed it's not necessarily just for autism It also goes into like sensory processing disorder or ADHD, but it's just very valuable information and a really great resource that I still pull from today, even though I read it years ago. So that's a really good one. Sometimes just to get my mind off things, I also just enjoy good old chiclet. (laughs) I love anything by Emily Giffen, like something borrowed or something blue, and those are available on Audible as well, but you can pick from any of their titles. So to download Download your free audiobook today. Go to audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism. All one word. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism for your free audiobook. Okay, well, I hope you enjoy listening to my conversation with Whitney. I just love her. She's someone who, from the moment I connected with her, I just felt like such, just like this kindred spirit connection and she is amazing I'm so glad she came back on the podcast and again I'm so appreciative of just her honesty and her willingness to like really go there and share the hard stuff because I know that that is not always easy (laughs) if you listen to my episode a few weeks back where I talked about my own self-care and just some things that I have been going through lately I definitely had some nerves talking about all that and getting really personal. So I completely understand where she's coming from. But again, like I had said before, I really feel like there's no such thing as getting too personal because 
you know, that that's the stuff that like we all can relate to and really understand because we all go through things and it's hard to talk about, but kind of like how Whitney had said in the episode, really digging into those feelings and working through that is where real growth comes from. So again, thank you so much, Whitney. If you're not following her, definitely check her out on Instagram. And if you would like to connect with me, you can find me on Instagram at Adventures in Autism Pod or on Facebook at Adventures in Autism Podcast, or you can email me at Adventures in Autism 2018 at yahoo.com. Again, I love hearing from you guys. If you have any questions, comments, if you're a new listener, just want to say, hey, I'm here. And again, if you would be so kind to leave a review, if you're enjoying the show or just, you know, tap in that five star, I'll love you for it. I mean, I love you just for listening, but I really appreciate those reviews because they really do help other people to find the show. So that is all for today. And until next time, take care. Thank you.